0: Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. And when I say warm welcome, I really mean it because uh, here in the Minneapolis area, it's so below zero. And I think when I wake up tomorrow, it's going to be 21 below, which is not fun. But uh, we're excited uh, just to be here starting a new year. And I'm so thrilled to have Jeremiah Johnson on today. If you have uh, been a fan of Faith Radio for a long time, you remember him. He had his own show called the uh, Dr. Jeremiah Johnson Show. He spent all of his budget coming up with the name of that show. Uh, So he blew it all, but uh, it was a great show, and I listen to it all the time, and as many of you did, and I have him for a full hour today talking about his new book book called Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness. He's a New Testament scholar and president of the Christian Thinker Society, and he's co-authored or authored 10 books, and he is um, an amazing guest. He lives in Texas with his five kids. He's got uh, three boys that are triplets. Jeremiah, welcome.
1: Welcome. I bring you greetings, my brother Bill from thank you. God's country. You know, here in Texas, <laughs> it is God indeed. has a second home. I don't know if you all knew that or not, but, <laughs> it does. Um, and I hate to say it in the wintertime, I'm, I'm bringing you greetings from about high sixties right here in Houston. Yeah. So God bless you guys up well, there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. So, so nice to hear your voice. I, I miss you being on the, the network and then I miss not talking to you more on my show.
1: Well, likewise. I, I just, I love Faith Radio Network. We have such a great ministry partnership and love your voice, Bill. I, I catch it from time to time and just Thanks. so appreciate you having me on the program. So thank you for having me back.
0: Yeah. So, what's the look? Are you, uh, you have a little beard nowadays? Are you clean shaven? What are you, do, what are you sporting?
1: <laughs> you know what? I am sporting right now. I actually just finished the audiobook last night at 10 p.m. of Unleashing <laughs> Peace in the studio. And so right. I don't, nobody wants to see me right now. So, yeah, but when we've done some other media today, so I'm just thankful my voice is still there after reading yeah. 64,000 words with trying wow. to do it with precision. So wow, wow. Excited got, the audio book is done.
0: Yeah, well, you've got such a great uh, voice and you're a great voice for radio. So that'll be uh, great if you've read this book uh, and it's available to to be uh, consumed as a, an audio book. Yeah. The book is called Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness. And I often uh, don't get super excited about all the books that come my way, but this one I am, so congratulations.
1: Hey, thank you so much. I praise God for that, Bill. I mean, and I think that, first off, you know me, we know each other. We have a great, abiding friendship. I think you also know my passion for teaching the Word of God and answering these difficult questions. And this book's been five years in the making, so I mean, it, it comes with a lot of prayer impact behind it, and already what we're seeing in our tour events and just the... The feedback we're getting, it's just such a God thing. And I'm so excited that it's being used as a tool for Him.
0: Yeah. I watched a half hour video of you today um, on a TV show. And I thought, you have got such a gift for taking uh, information and making it so bite sized, digestible, memorable. Cons- cons- and it's just so good. You're so gifted. So,
1: well, praise the Lord. I'm going to stop I'm trying to improve. I was listening to your show earlier today, too. So we were like ships passing in the night. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we were ministering to each other. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I, I know that there is so much unrest in the world, so much unrest in people's there's, lives. There's so much turmoil. There's, there's mental health issues going on. So this idea of shalom and God's peace is is so appropriate right now. Let's talk about your book. And um, you know, where tell me, you've been at this for five years. Where did you get this idea and, and how come it took five years?
1: Yeah, great question. So here's the deal. Um, when when Christianity makes sense, it should make sense in every area of our life, right? In other words, Christianity is not just something I do on Sunday morning, it's something that Impacts my life holistically, and so that means that I can bring every question I have to the Scriptures and to the God of the Scriptures. God's a big boy; He can take our difficult questions. And Bill, when we started Christian Thinker Society way back in 2011, my wife said, Jeremiah, I want you to um, I want you to speak shorter, and all God's people said Amen. And I want you to open it up for questions live. And since that time, even in my show on Faith Radio Network the questions that came in were all very, very surprising to me because, Mm -hmm. you know, one of my passions, and I love higher education. I appreciate all our Christian professors and our seminaries, but Bill, we take a lot of time to answer questions in seminary and higher ed that no one's asking in the real world. (laughs) And what I found was people had a hunger and a desire to understand how can i experience the peace of god i'm i'm racked with anxiety or perhaps if you've lost someone i'm racked with grief i read about all of these promises in the scripture about god's peace but i just don't know how to get there and of course suicide unpardonable sin you name it and so thousands of questions like that mm-hmm. literally to our ministry and i wanted to take my time as a bible scholar to say hey the bible my my contribution to the field as it were is I want to take the scriptures. What does the Bible actually say about how we think? Can we actually live a theology of Shalom? And then how do we get there? And then I wanted to interview a couple other experts as well from different fields uh, that's another great I think benefit to this book, Unleashing Peace. And so I took my time on it. I wanted to. I didn't want to rush it out. And uh, I'm just so thankful because I'm I'm my own worst critic when it comes to writing. I still don't really consider myself an author after 10 authored or co-authored books. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about the opportunity to serve the Lord in this capacity. The books are a ministry. Um, but this book has got a special anointing on it, and I think it's because it's, it's hitting people right where we're all at. There's not a single person listening to us right now who doesn't want more of God's peace.
0: Amen, Jeremiah. Jeremiah Johnston is my guest. We're talking about his book, Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness. So the word shalom uh, shows up 550 times in the Bible. How good are we at understanding what shalom means, and and why is it one of the most overlooked aspects of a balanced Christian living?
1: Yeah, it's, teaching. It's, isn't that interesting when that hits you? Wow, this this word peace, shalom, and you use the Hebrew term in the Hebraic sense is what I wanted to unlock. And Bill, I have a PhD, which means I know a lot about a very little. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's, that's the definition of a PhD uh-huh. for our viewers. And, um, I, but my area of specialty, Bill, is the Gospels, the historical Jesus, the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I'm not a Pauline scholar, I'm a Jesus scholar, I'm a, a Gospel scholar. And so the little that I've taken quite a bit of time to invest my life in is the Gospels. And what's amazing, what was profound to me, because, you know, how am I going to address this? This is such a huge topic. Well, I want to address it from a position of strength. And when we open up the Gospels, and you open up the most famous sermon of all time, which is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus literally gives a theology of shalom in that entire message. I mean, who hasn't read Matthew six and thought, Lord, where we're commanded. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Matthew chapter five. He begins with that Hebrew term Asher, which means happy. We call it the Beatitudes. And so I wanted people to understand first, it shows up 550 times in scripture. Every epistle of, of Paul's is grace and what? Peace. Shalom Mm -hmm. to you. And yet, so many believers, though we we and this is why I so appreciate you, Bill. I appreciate Faith Radio Network. We have to get people past the bumper sticker theology. We have to actually show them immediate next steps. Okay, how do I take this? How do I reconcile this promise in Scripture that I can experience a God of peace and the peace of God? How do I reconcile that with the prom, or with the problems and challenges and adversity, or perhaps the mental pain or illness in my family? And so I really wanted to give a bridge to that, and that bridge is through Jesus, because Jesus Christ is our shalom. And so, But I also want to get really practical, so there's some really helpful practical steps, and guess what? They help the author a whole heck of a lot, and that (laughs) that is why I think they're making an impact. I wanted to learn that shalom is a discipline, and when you you compare it, I mean, the word shalom shows up more than the word grace in the Bible. I mean, it's a huge concept. Next to the name of Jesus, there's not a finer term in all of Scripture.
0: Well, eight minutes in, and I've already gotten my money's worth. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we could literally stop the interview right now, and I would be content. But uh, I've got you for the Send full hour. Send me some shave cream, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, I'm interested, Jeremiah. Let's talk about peace and happiness. Are they the same thing? Yeah, and, and no, why did, not? Uh, Jesus spoke about peace and happiness together all the time.
1: Such an important question. So the foundation is shalom. The outcome is happiness. The outcome is joy. The outcome of shalom is all of the fruit of the spirit. But we miss the foundation. And Bill, what I so appreciate, like the salvation series you all did for so many weeks that was so powerful. Sometimes we miss the first step of shalom. And that is Romans chapter 5 verse 1. There's a divine order to shalom. And first and foremost, we need to have peace with God if we're going to experience the God of peace. And as your show did so wonderfully, and I'd encourage anyone listening, go back in the archives and listen to the whole series it did on Salvation Bill. It was just masterful. I'm, I'm working through it. And I'm enjoying it so much. And I appreciate you talking and highlighting our great salvation. But if you don't have the Peace with God. You're not going to have the God of peace, or not experience the peace of God in your own heart. And so Romans five one is a great passage. Therefore, having been made, having made peace with God through faith, we're, we're justified by faith through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we have we have peace with God through Jesus. That's step one. That's the first step of shalom. So I want to talk to all the religious people listening. Have you experienced Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in Christ? Have you embraced the gospel, which is Jesus' finished work, his death, burial, and resurrection as payment for your sin? We're not talking about religion or confirmation. We're talking about a real, true experience with God where you are saved, you are delivered, you're born again, you're forgiven. So number two, then, once I once I know that I have peace with God, that's the part where the book really, I think, is helpful. I trace the, what I love about it. I've never written a book with more scripture in it we then guide the reader by the hand of okay here's the next step then for you to experience shalom once you know you have the you have made peace with god through jesus christ romans 5 1 here's the here's the train tracks now to experience the discipline of living in shalom and it is a discipline it's not something that's a talent it's not a spiritual gift but here's what's exciting it is a gift that is given to every believer and bill one of the things we need to tell people it's God's will for you to live in shalom. So, mm. Bill, when you ask me about happiness and joy, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to live in joy, and God wants you to live in shalom. And in, in the Hebraic sense of the word is important. I just want to emphasize this little footnote, if you don't mind. In the Hebraic sense of shalom, when we think about the way Jesus would have understand and used the word, he would not have used it in the word in the way in which the Greeks did Irene, You might think of a friend named Irene. That that comes out of Irene, peace in the New Testament Greek. No, he would have understood, and that, that just simply means an absence of conflict or a truce. There's a lot of Christians out there, you might be living in a truce, but you're not living in the peace of God. And that's where I want to encourage you to lock into the Hebraic understanding Hebrew Shalom means to flourish to lack nothing to be made whole to be restored, and that 's what Jesus does for us not only in salvation but renewing us every day with the shalom. so a long answer for you, but that that's an important aspect of the book
0: it 's a great answer and this whole whole idea of are you just living in a truce Wow that's really good. Let me take a little break. Dr. Jeremiah Johnston is my guest. Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness is his new book. I highly recommend it. I'll be right back. Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. His book is Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Pursuit of Happiness. Jeremiah, I'm curious, uh, how how are your kids, and what is it like having triplet boys?
1: Well, Bill, the triplets are five and a half. So forgive the dad jokes. I haven't <laughs> slept in five and a half years. So um, the, the boys are doing fantastic. We got, every, we got everybody back to school and we just praise God for their health. They're growing. They're flourishing. Lily and Justin are at such a fun age. Lily is 12. Justin's nine and a half. And Bill, I've got to just report you, give you an update. Uh, I love taking my kiddos with me on the road, and if you, if any of you follow me on social media, you probably see they are like my my traveling Silas and Barnabas. I mean, they go with me everywhere that I can take them out of school and bring them. Uh, but we were leaving Denton Bible Church the other day. I spoke at an apologetics conference there, and I was just so tired. I just wanted to get back to where Justin and I were staying for the night. And all the, it's just amazing how our kids start talking in these moments. And Justin says, "Daddy." I want to go into ministry. I want to do what you do. I want to preach the word of God. Uh-huh. And it likes like from nowhere. He's in the front seat <laughs> of our car and just boom. Like I hadn't, I I'd been speaking to adults that night, you know, and it, it, he sat there and listened and the Holy spirit worked on his heart. And so, wow. Um, I'm excited to to stir up that gift that's within him that God has put in his heart. Wow. So they're doing great. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah. And Audrey, my superhero wife is, she's just amazing. She's a superhero. So cool. she's incredible.
0: Well, Jeremiah, if it's any consolation, when I grow up, I want to be just like you too. <laughs> Thank
1: you. <Yes. laughs> I don't know who careful what you wish for)
0: <laughs> So I was thinking of John 1427 during the break, and Jesus said, "Peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give you. I don't give it as the world gives, so do not be worried and upset, do not be afraid. And I think of that um, what he said about uh, it, it is, it's my own peace. It's like he's got what a private stash. I, that's he, the peace I want.
1: You know what? You have such good questions because here's the deal. We have a choice to make every de- every day as believers in Jesus Christ. Where are we going to find our peace and where are we going to source our peace? And you just made a huge comment because Jesus says, and it's that double promise, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Yeah. Not as the world gives. And a lot of us, we want to exchange You know, we want that worldly peace. But guess what? I think of the prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel. There's some really powerful passages in the Old Testament where those power prophets said, you look for peace, peace where there is no peace. And if I were to diagnose so many great Christians out there, brothers and sisters in Christ, you're looking for peace in your portfolio or peace or validation in where you work or peace with your family. But there's only one place for peace, and that's Jesus. That's why I have an entire chapter called Jesus is our Shalom. We can't know peace without him.
0: Mm -hmm. When Jesus uh, said, go in peace, uh, what what exactly was he saying?
1: So important. Mm. He's saying, go fully empowered by my spirit. Here's what's really cool. The most powerful shalom in the Bible, and by the way, uh, for those of you that are just joining us, we're, we're talking about my new book, Unleashing Peace, and we're really diving into this word shalom. It's way more than a greeting, friends. It's translated 70 different ways in the NIV Bible. And the most powerful shalom, the very first thing the vindicated, victorious, physically, bodily resurrected Jesus says, when he's resurrected, at his appearances, He says, Shalom. And I highlight that in the book. Like, there's no powerful, more powerful shalom than that. He's overcome the world. So, therefore, go in my shalom. Go in my peace. And so, that's the tension, though, where I'm at right now, Bill, because I'm traveling across the country right now and I'm meeting moms and dads, grandparents, single adults, young people, and they are more stressed out than they've ever been. And stress is a poison to our bodies, it's a poison to our spiritual life. And so, my prayer for this book, Bill, and in our program specifically today, is that we can give people some immediate next steps. To okay, I understand theologically it's God's will for me to live in shalom. I understand it's sourced in Jesus, but how do I get there?
0: Jeremiah didn't the Shunammite woman too after her son died? Didn't when he uh, when she approached Elisha and they asked how she was? She said shalom.
1: Well, it was her son just died. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. I I talk about that and that whole story in my book. So it's interesting. You should bring that up. And it's so fresh on my mind because I just read 64,000 words <laughs> in my own book out loud and I'm kind of tired of hearing my own voice by now. Um, but that sh- that pops up. I mean, this we don't understand this word comes up through the cut and thrust of scriptures. I mean, Paul, but here's what I want to encourage people with, if I may. Think about the Apostle Paul for a moment, and it's interesting, Bill, because I finished this book, and then, as you know, books get lost in their pipelines. I mean, every book that is published, the author finished a year earlier, basically. That You know, that's just how publishing works today. It's a very important process. There's editorial, there's printing, there's graphics, etc., but I finished this, but God, I haven't stopped studying Shalom, Bill. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I have like a hundred more pages that I would love to share with my buddy Jeff Braun that I want to add to this book. And there's a couple of cool things that I've learned that aren't even in the book that I think would make this broadcast special tonight. In Judges chapter 6, another place, that actually the first time God is called Ye- Yahweh Shalom, Jehovah Shalom, Yahweh Shalom, I prefer... And that's Gideon in Judges 6. He has so many challenges. He interrupts the Lord, the angel of the Lord, and says, God, you know, if you're with me, why do I have all, this, all these problems in my life? He literally interrupts the, the messenger. And what's really cool is the Lord then comes back and he says in verse 23 and 24, I will be with you. Verse 24, Gideon makes an altar to the Lord, and he calls it Jehovah Shalom. Now, here's the interesting application. He still had to go fight all his battles, Bill but he did so in the power and peace of God. He still had to go defeat the Midianites, but he did it knowing Jehovah Shalom. So isn't there a great application for us tonight? We all have battles we face. We have burdens we're going to go to bed with tonight. God wants to meet us. He wants us to make an altar in front of those burdens and say, Lord, you're Jehovah Shalom. You're going to get me through this, and I'm going to trust you every step of the way.
0: Jeremiah, those are so comforting. What you just said is so comforting. I just want to pause on that for a minute because it's so true. There's, uh, you know, you get texts every day from listeners that are just in incredible distress and turmoil, and and I just want them to know when they go to bed tonight, God is with them.
1: That's exactly right, and they need to practice the, the peace of God, and here's what it is, what I want to encourage people. This is why we need Faith Radio. Bill, this is why we need your voice and your ministry to keep growing. We fellowship. You and I, we're fellowshipping right now in the body of Christ right now, even though we're not together physically and all of this stress and anxiety, there's so much stigma around it as well, especially as it relates if anyone's struggling with mental illness, which no one's unaffected by mental illness, by the way, um, this thing of how it isolates us is so poisonous and so toxic. And so if I would just encourage people, Shalom is a process. We come to faith in Christ in a moment. We have peace with God in a moment. But experiencing the peace of God is something we never stop working on. And I just want to encourage our listeners with another little tidbit, another little gem that God put in my heart um, that's not in the book. This is why you have to listen to the Bill Arnold show. I give Bill all the good stuff. <laughs> this is the stuff I'm doing in our tour right now. Um, Paul had been a Christian for 30 years, Bill, before he gives us the greatest anti-anxiety passage in all of the Bible, Philippians chapter 4. He he was so racked with anxiety, though, and this is where vulnerability is so important, Seven years before he writes the book of Philippians, if you open up second Corinthians and Paul is called the job of the new Testament because of second Corinthians in chapter two, verse 13, I know I'm preaching bill, but he says, God has opened a door for me in Troas, but I, I wasn't effective. I have no peace of mind. And it took him seven years to work out his own peace plan. And so I want to encourage people. Yes, there are promises, but guess what? Let me help you build a peace. Shalom plan. For yourself or for your family. We have financial plans, Bill. This is kind of the thrust of what we're doing in our live events right now. And I didn't know I needed to go off to England to get a PhD to say this, but it is really impacting people. And I praise God for that. You know, you have a financial plan, you have an educational plan, you might have a five or 10 year plan. Why don't you have a peace plan for your family? When I have a peace plan for my family following scripture, there are certain things I say no to for the bigger yes. I identify those things in my life I need to put boundaries against. And then number two, I, I focus on on the values of my life. And so what are the values that I'm going to focus on? Could I give a few practical things, oh, Bill? Please. Is that okay? We've yeah, got 90 just, seconds,
0: just, but let's, yeah, okay. let's get a couple in. I'll
1: do it in 90 seconds. Okay. Here's some great ways for you to put up a peace plan in your life. Stop obsessively checking the news. I mean, these people aren't doing their job if we're not totally depressed eight minutes into the news cycle. So, again, stop obsessively checking the news. Number two, check your sources. Have great sources like Bill Arnold, Faith Radio Network. Number three, stop the doom scrolling. These are things not to do. Don't contribute to the panic. You know, stay social. I just want to highlight this again. Isolation is the worst punishment for a human being. So if you can, if you're, if you, if you can do so without health vulnerabilities, man, get around the body of Christ. Number six, establish a daily schedule, leave the house. The cheapest therapy we can do, Bill, is go walk two miles. And I know it's hard when it's 21 degrees outside, by the way. But, below. But, 21 you know, below. Exercise. Yeah. Below. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. And <laughs> get out in nature. So these are just great practices. You know, don't make decisions. Like today, Bill, I'm exhausted. You know what I said to my wife this morning? Mm. I just finished an audiobook. Praise God. I'm not going to make any big life de- life, life decisions today because I am exhausted. <laughs> and you know what? i got I got to practice my own medicine as a doctor uh, in theology, as it were. So those are just some great practical steps to think about, I think, that helped me.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah, I'm so uh, glad you decided to come on the show today because this is another hour of talking. So I appreciate that. Praise God. Yeah. (laughs) Let me take a little break. Dr. Jeremiah Johnston is my guest. His book is Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness. And we'll take a short break and be right back. places right now. I get to talk to my friend, Dr. Jeremiah Johnson. He's written a new book called Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness. Right before the break, uh, Jeremiah, we were talking, you had mentioned a little bit about uh, people suffering with mental health issues. And you also say in your book that the church is a little bit behind in its support for people with mental health issues. Why is that and what needs to change?
1: The reason is there 's so much stigma again, thanks so much for having me on Bill. I absolutely love your program Thank so you. it 's always an honor to be talking so thanks so much for having me on um, I, I want to encourage people that the Bible has so much to say about how we think, about how our mind works, and the Bible can heal our brains. The brain can heal itself, but we have to, we have to be good ministers of our body, mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally and so in my book, I also reached out to a medical doctor to talk about how we can take care of our physical temples, because guess what? The more you take care of your body, the better your brain's going to work, because your brain's an organ just like other, part, other organs in your body. We have to take care of our body. It's a holistic approach. And then secondly, I think right now, Bill, my favorite chapter, especially after just reading the book uh, this week again, my favorite chapter is the last chapter. I reached out to a really good friend of mine who's a Christian psychologist and pastor by the name of Dr. Ted Witsick Jr. in Illinois. And I interviewed him because, especially the young people who are listening to us, Bill... Or if you're listening to us right now as you're on your way home uh, from work, or if you're you're listening to us while you're getting dinner ready, you might have kids or grandkids, and they're so feelings-driven. We live in a a culture that's dominated by a feelings-driven faith and a feelings-driven life, and that is really dangerous. And so I wanted to do a chapter on what do I do if I can't feel my faith? How do we respond to our feelings? How do we handle our emotions when we, quote, don't feel it? And guess what? You're not alone if you don't, quote, feel, you know, I don't feel like a Christian every day of my life. so if you don't, you're, you know, listen, you're not alone. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to a Christian psychologist about how do we handle feelings? Because feelings are not facts in our life. How do we stay true to the facts of Scripture? We appreciate emotions. We want emotions in our life. I mean, Bill, when I watch The Chosen uh, with my family, I ugly cry, dad cry. I mean, I <laughs> love that show. I love emotions. I'm an emotional guy, but I don't want emotions driving the vehicle of my life. hmm the problem is the message of secular humanism, the message of secular the secular world today is, hey, just do whatever feels good. Follow your feelings. Follow your heart. Guess what? The worst thing Christians can do is follow their heart. Psalm 42 and 43 is the psalmist, and by the way, it was originally one psalm in the Psalter, Psalm 42 and 43. If you read that, he continues to preach to his heart. He doesn't follow his heart. He doesn't listen to his heart. He preaches truth to his heart. The psalmist says, why are you downcast, my soul? Why are you disquieted within me to put your faith in God? And so, friends, I mean, there's so much application there, isn't there? Mm. You know, if I don't feel like I want to be married anymore. No, I made a commitment of love. I don't follow my feelings. If I feel like I you know, can't feel God today, no, no, no. That's, we're getting in the wrong end zone now of what it means to be a Christian. We don't follow our feelings. We follow, facts are not, or excuse me, feelings are not facts. And there's a really important step in there, Bill, where, where I, I wanted to take people on a little bit of a journey theologically and spiritually that, how do we define faith? Faith does not equal certainty. And listen to my voice clearly. Faith is trusting God through the uncertainty. That's what biblical faith is. Trusting God through the uncertainty. It's Mark 9, the dad who looks at Jesus and says, Hey, I've got a huge need with my son. Jesus says, I can do anything for those who believe. The dad says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. He trust. He had faith in Jesus through his uncertainty. So be encouraged. You know, if you're struggling, you can also trust God even through that uncertainty. And that's the biblical definition of faith, not certainty.
0: Jeremiah, what about this? Uh, faith, I think of it sometimes as a decision-making process based on the Word of God, regardless of my feelings.
1: You are exactly right. I mean, if we feelings are not a barometer of truth ever. Okay, they're never like, I can feel very unsafe in a very safe place. It's amazing. I've studied a lot of this writing the book, when people are given new correct information, their body heals. (laughs) We can literally make ourselves sick with lies, we can make ourselves physically ill, believing the wrong things to be true that are not true. And so you're absolutely right evidence, truth, we don't have to have an, a, cor- a, cor- a, a correlating feeling to, quote, validate that truth. It's mm-hmm. true whether I feel it or not. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the Christian faith. And, and, and I get into this in my book. I quote a great commentator from Australia on John, uh, from John's Gospel. The beauty of the Christian faith isn't that you're holding on to Jesus. He's holding on to you, friends. So yeah. our faith falters. He never lets go of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Jeremiah Johnston is my guest. His book is Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness. So, Jeremiah, if, if, if a Christian is struggling with some mental health issues, what might be one of the lies that they are believing?
1: Absolutely. So such a great question. There's probably about nine different lies. And by the way, no one who's listening to us right now is unaffected by mental illness. So I just want to clear the stigma. It affects us. It might not be you personally, but I guarantee you, 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 one in four people right now in America are struggling with mental illness. So you either know someone who's struggling or you have someone in your family who's struggling. Here's some of the lies that Again, the enemy throws at us and why we have to have a shalom plan how to deal with these lies. Number one, I'm alone. I have no hope. There's no plan for me. These fears will always try to isolate you. The anxiety that you're facing will always try to, to try to isolate you that you're the only one dealing with this. That's, Bill, why I talk about vulnerability in my book. This ability for pe- guys like you and me to come on and say, hey, we love Jesus with all our hearts, but we're by no means perfect. Let us share some areas where God's delivered us, and hopefully that encourages you. Number two, I have to have it all figured out. There's so much pressure we put on ourselves that I need to have the next 28 steps figured out in my life. Otherwise I feel anxiety. No, take the next logical step of faith. Number three, I have to live in certainty. Uncertainty equals danger. No, there is no certainty in life. We, 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 we create it, but it doesn't really exist. Number four, I'm the only person who's ever struggled with this or five. No one would understand. Number six, I'm hopeless and helpless. By the way, There's not a single passage in the Bible that says God helps those who help themselves. That's actually not in the scripture. God helps the helpless. So if you're feeling helpless right now, you are in the right zip code for God to help you. Number seven, we've already touched on. Feelings are the driving force in my life and faith. Huge distortions about God is number eight. Distortions about who God is, myself, reality. Number nine, Bill, is a lie that I have to practice and getting rid of in my life, if you don't mind me being vulnerable on your radio show here. no room for grace, that somehow God's promises don't apply to this situation. I have to learn to practice the grace of God in my life. I have to practice living in the grace of God every day. And so those are just some lies that people might be experiencing, and those lies will try to steal and pick at our peace all the time. And so we have to be able to identify those, and then we take them down. That's where I have that chapter on mind wars in the book. Mm-hmm.
0: Jeremiah, there are a couple of very prominent scriptures that deal with peace in the New Testament. Uh, I'd love for you to talk about them and, and what they have in common.
1: Absolutely. So, so important. There's one interesting thing that I learned writing and researching this book. And we, we want a quick fix for everything, don't we, Bill? I mean, we live in a, you know, we want it in five minutes. We want to be able to buy it. Uh, we want to be able to get it immediately. We live in an on-demand culture. The peace of God is available for you right now, but it is something we have to learn it is a discipline. And what's really powerful is if you open up these different passages in the Bible, the promise is there for you to experience shalom. There's those words again, that word again. Um, but you have to learn it. And one passage in particular is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. If you go through there and you see in verse 9, Paul had to learn peace. Verse 11, see, do what you learned and saw and heard and watched in my life. What's really interesting, in Philippians 4, 8, Paul gives us his personal shalom plan. And it's the greatest anti-anxiety, anti-worry passage in the Bible. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything, tell God your needs, don't don't forget to thank Him. And then the peace of God, that's verse 7, uh, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, here's verse 8, and he gives us 32 English words in the Greek New Testament. Or excuse me, in the English Bible, thirty-two English words, Bill, in Philippians four eight. I don't know how Paul does it, but somehow he encapsulates the Sermon on the Mount, Psalm thirty-seven, and Habakkuk chapter three, right there in Philippians four eight, and he says, Focus on what's true. And, and all thirty-two of those English words are anchored by one word, Bill, and it's the word think, Lugizamai. Hmm. Focus on. It's an accounting term. It all comes down, I can't help all the crazy, intrusive thoughts that come in my mind. And this will really minister to people, you know, you can't help the thoughts that come in your mind, but you can tell those thoughts where to go. And you don't even need to tell them where to go. You just ignore them. Um, You know, you don't need to talk to the crazy thoughts in your head, but you just ignore them. Um, An intrusive thought is not a sin. A a thought is not a sin until we want to act on it, until we want to, until we embrace it or welcome it into our lives. And so um, it's so important that it's guarded. We can control our focus though. So if I have six thousand thoughts today, which that's what that a lot of a lot of uh, experts say, if around six to seven thousand thoughts a day, I kind of feel like it's even more than that. That just pop in our heads. We need to know how to stay focused and true to our values, even when we're getting all kinds of intrusive thoughts. And Bill, something else that I I actually wrote about in the book that was interesting for me to study. We have no idea what Satan showed Jesus in that temptation. We we just skip by that passage so quickly. When, when Satan takes Jesus to a high place and shows him the, quote, kingdoms of the world, can you imagine the intrusive thoughts? Can you imagine the temptation? But Jesus didn't give into it. Where did he go? Straight to the word of God against to cut through all those lies. And so we have to follow his example. You know, we're going to be shown the kingdoms of the world. Oh, this will give you peace. That'll give you peace. This will give you hope. No, no, no. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to stay true to his word and straight to, stay true to him.
0: When I think of Satan tempting him, Jesus always responded with thinking first, it is written. He didn't start with his feelings like, yeah, you got a good point, I am kind of hungry, those stones I could turn into bread. I mean, he started with his thinking. And, that's exactly right. Yeah, uh, God's Word says, and I thought that's what we need to do in our situations when we get uh, thoughts in our head that we think, uh-oh, I need to let my thinking drive this uh, this bus.
1: Exactly. Uh, And again, we can't emphasize this enough. This is number two in in the Shalom plan. The first plan is Shalom happens when I have a plan. Number two is exactly what you just said, Bill. It's my life has to be bolted to the truth. Mm -hmm. Paul loved the word truth. He used it 55 times in his epistles. And then Something that I've had to learn even since writing the book, especially experiencing an unplanned kind of major surgery almost a year ago now. Praise God he's completely healed me, Bill. But we have to learn how to live by faith in God's promises, not explanations. And that that was something I really touched on a lot in the book, and that's really the book of Habakkuk, by the way. We live on God we live on God's promises, not God's explanations. There are some things for which there are no explanations and no one faithed explanations in the Bible. They all faith God's character and God's promise. And so we're getting into the deep end of the pool right now, but this is how you live the shalom of God. I've got to learn to trust God in spite of what I'm feeling, in spite of my circumstances, even when I don't know why or where, and guess what? He'll see you through.
0: Mm-hmm. Jeremiah, I know we live in such an immediate gratification world. You know, you you used to be able to send someone a letter. You'd put a first-class stamp on it, and they'd get it in three days, and then they would respond. But right now, you send a text, and if you don't get an answer instantly, you're you're irritated, right? Right. So uh, I know there's immediate steps that people can take as early as tonight that will help That's bring right. God's peace and shalom into their lives. Can you give us some counsel on that?
1: Every t- yes, such a great question again. And again, this is where we have to protect ourselves through a care team. You don't have to do this alone. So I would encourage you to give first make a commitment that I'm going to make a plan for peace. I'm going to understand theologically, biblically, scripturally, and practically that God wants me to live in his peace. But that's going to require me to say no to certain things like those lies or behaviors or over committing myself. You know, we need to say no. God, God has, you know, sometimes we put a legalistic burden on ourselves that God has not put on us. I'm called to take care of certain things, Bill, and I'm not called to take care of other things. I'm not someone else's savior. Jesus is the only savior. And so we have to be careful that we don't overcommit. Number two, each time you experience anxiety, Try to identify the lies you're thinking and instead focus on a truth in Scripture. Use the Bible not like confetti, but like a missile targeted at those lies the lies of the world, the flesh, the devil, and those promises that are targeted at anxiety, worry. And just the problems that we face number two just talk to someone it's so important that you you stop isolating when you're having an anxiety attack having anxiety is not sin it's something all of us experience okay it is not sin to have anxiety okay god wants you to have have his peace and learn to talk to someone and create a a care plan bill i'm not sure if, if if everyone is aware who's listening to us but One of the most important fields that we need more help in right now in Christian ministry is in counseling, Christian therapy, Christian psychology, Christian psychiatry, because you can't hardly get an appointment right now. Mm -hmm. Everyone's books are full because there's so much need out there. So I would encourage those who are either in ministry listening to us or those who feel a calling to ministry, consider that area, because I am delighted uh, that we're just having this conversation a lot more now in the church than we did even five years ago um, about how we can minister to people at their greatest point of need. And that's, that's in mental illness, physical illness, and because Jesus made no distinction between the two.
0: Mm-hmm. Dr. Jeremiah Johnston is my guest. His book is called Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness. We'll take a short break and be right back with Jeremiah. Dr. Jeremiah Johnston, he's a New Testament scholar, president of the Christian Thinkers Society, and he's authored and co-authored ten books. And the one I've got in my hand is called Unleashing Peace: Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness. Um, Jeremiah, how do we protect our shalom?
1: so important? So this is these are these progressional steps that we go through as a believer in Jesus Christ. And there's some very important steps that again. No one ever stops being getting attacked in our mind as a Christian as I mean the Christian life is is not a playground as you've heard it's a battleground and so we have to once we experience the peace of God it's a discipline that we have to work at every single day and the enemy's going to attack us in a hundred different ways every single day and so we need to be prepared for that not surprised by it and so. I wanted to finish the book that way, Bill, because I wanted to give people these immediate next steps. First off, we have to always make sure we're using the Bible with precision. Let's make sure we're never using the Bible as a weapon. The scripture is there as a a tool of redemption to to introduce us to the God of the Bible, the God of scriptures. And so I take a lot of time in chapter 12 to talk about ways in which that we can use the scripture with precision. So important. Um, in chapter 13, we've already touched on it a little bit, but I just, I, how do I protect God's shalom in my life? I have to learn how to take every single thought captive. And one of the passages that really inspired me in my in the architecture of how, how the Lord's allowed Christian Thinker Society to minister to people is this whole notion of taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean I have to grab, crush, and kill every thought that comes through my head, but I have to make sure I'm always equipped with the truth, because the truth will always, always eliminate lies. The truth is where freedom is. There's nothing more important than truth, and all truth is God's truth. As that wonderful uh, professor Arthur Holmes said from Wheaton, all truth is God's truth. And so I have to stay focused on truth. There's so many disciplines that... You know, you continue to live in your life. You continue to trust God. And then I have to learn. And, and Bill, this was another really interesting revelation, to use that word, for me. I Our ministry, Bill, if again, again be very transparent on your show, is known for helping answer people's questions. And we should be. There's 3,200 questions in the Bible. The most questions in the Old Testament is the book of Job. Interestingly enough, the most questions asked in the New Testament is in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, we can ask questions of our faith. It's not a sin to question your faith. There's great evidence for our faith. And we have built our ministry helping people answer those questions. But at the same time, I have to learn that, guess what? I have to faith God's promises, not explanations. When you open up the book of Habakkuk, those 56 verses, Bill, are such incredible verses to study. You literally get to read Habakkuk's personal prayer journal. It's him praying. And guess what, Bill? We all pray far too religiously. Habakkuk mm. begins his prayer. God, are you there? Have you <laughs> died, God? God, are you dead? I mean, mm. when's the last time you started your prayer with God? Are you dead? I, uh, I, I, I don't see you, you know. And, and yet Habakkuk prayed that way. And God said, "Hey, guess what, Habakkuk? I'm doing something right now. If I were to tell you, in other words, if I were to give you an explanation, you wouldn't even believe it. And guess what? It was getting ready to get a lot worse. Bill, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was on his way. But again. Habakkuk wasn't able to see what God was going to do through Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He wasn't able to see what God was doing through Jeremiah's ministry. All he could see was God was raising up these evil Babylonians. And how does God respond to Habakkuk? If I gave you, and by the way, he does start to give an explanation to Habakkuk. And if you read those 56 verses, it almost kills Habakkuk. (laughs) So thank God for (laughs) the fact that you don't get total insight into why God might be allowing this or that into your life, because he might be doing something so powerful, so miraculously, you couldn't even handle it if you knew it all. But what does God say to Habakkuk? Habakkuk, write this down. The just will live by his faith. And friends, it took three New Testament books to figure out what God was saying to Habakkuk in that one mic drop line. It takes the book of Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews to figure that out. And that's that's this whole notion that at the end of the day, yes, there are answers for our faith. There's great evidence for our faith. Bill, I'm a Christian because Jesus physically, bodily rose from the grave. There's still a lot of tough things in the, in our life. You know, we've been praying for my little sister, Jenny Lee, for the last several months. I don't know if you're aware, but last summer, uh, she and her husband uh, lost their child, stillborn, at 25 weeks. And we have been just living through that. Wesley is with Jesus now, and they had a beautiful ceremony. But just walking through that hurt with her has, again, reminded me of how we have to minister to those in our lives. And guess what? There's not always a a quick mic drop answer, but it's, hey— Let's keep trusting the goodness and the character, the love of God and his promises, even though we can't really find an explanation for why mm-hmm. this happened.
0: Jeremiah, I think I mentioned in my earlier hour today that the followers followers of Jesus don't always see the results that they long for in this life.
1: So true. It, 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 read the, that's Hebrews chapter 11, isn't it? I mean, yeah. what you just said. I mean, yeah. we don't we don't see the fruition of our work, and I don't think we're supposed to. We're all we're all part of God's work here. It's His work, not our work, and we never know um, how God's working. I mean, I'm getting ready to speak at a camp this summer, an awesome Christian camp, and it's so cool. I can't wait to speak there because when I was a freshman in high school, the gentleman who runs this camp tapped me on the shoulder, Bill, and said he saw. God's hand on my life when I didn't even see it on my life. And you know, and and it's cool for me to go minister to their camp staff and say, You never know who you're impacting, who twenty five years from now, you know, might be speaking at something you're attending (laughs) or your ministry. Right. So you you know, again, friends, everything we do for the Lord counts. That's that's first Corinthians fifteen, fifty eight. Therefore be immovable, be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work in the Lord is not in vain.
0: Jeremiah, I know we've talked about this already in this hour. I do want to touch on it again, especially if people just climbed into their car and they've missed most of this hour. And I highly recommend if you missed any of this hour, go to MyFaithRadio.com, check out the podcast. You're going to want to hear it from the beginning. It's been a very powerful hour with Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. But there's people that have these this anxiety about, I don't feel my faith. I don't feel like I'm saved. Um, and feelings are are dominating their 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 world and i and i want to just put my arms around them and say but it's the word of god that speaks the truth into your life not your feelings
1: exactly and i would just say bill you've asked such awesome questions i feel like you and i've just sat out on your back patio (laughs) just talking this whole hour it's been wonderful like we've been doing bible study together so thank you again Um, uh friends when you see luke chapter 24 the two disciples were so downcast Because they were believing the wrong information. They thought the Jesus movement had come to an end. And they're on that seven-mile journey to Emmaus, and they don't realize Jesus is with them the entire time. They're going by their feelings. They were dejected. They had hoped he was the Messiah. And then, boom, Jesus reveals himself to them. And they said, we're not our hearts burning within us. So don't follow your feelings. Follow the facts of scripture. Feelings are not facts. It's so important. And I, I talk about this at length in chapter 14 in unleashing peace, how you feel right now doesn't confirm or deny truth, because feelings don't validate truth. Truth is truth, whether you feel it or not. And that's the power of the Christian faith, that it meets us. And, and and by the way, there's a steadfastness, there's a perseverance to our faith, God protects us. Again, we don't have faith in our faith, Bill, we have faith in the object of our faith, who is Jesus Christ. So he holds on to us, even when we struggle to hold on to him, and we all do at times.
0: Mm-hmm. Jeremiah, I know that we're supposed to live in community, but I, I have a real heart for people who are a little isolated and they have a hard time connecting to people, A, because they may not have a lot of friends, they may not have the transportation or the resources or whatever, but I do want to speak to them today if you would give a word of encouragement and counsel to those who might feel a little bit isolated, and a little bit alone.
1: Absolutely. Jesus says in the force of the Greek and the book of Hebrews is, I will never, never, never never, never leave you or forsake you. Secondly, I want to encourage you, even if you may be isolated or just unable to get out like you once were, you've got to infuse your life and your day with truth. And that's where I, again, thank God for Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I mean, this hour, it will, if you listen to it, you probably should listen to it a few times. It will enrich your soul because it's enriched my soul, just focusing on these scriptures and hearing Bill give insights as well into these wonderful scriptures. And so, if, even if you're isolated, find ways to infuse your life with God's truth, because his truth never gets old, and the Spirit of God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Jesus won't. He's always there. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of nice
0: comments on the text line, Jeremiah. People praise love God. you. So... Well,
1: praise be to God. Yeah.
0: And I love you, too. Thank you so much for doing love the you, show. Bill. Yeah. I can't encourage enough uh, to check out his new book, Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom and Your Pursuit of Happiness. Jeremiah, have a great evening.
1: Thank you so much, Bill, for having me. I look forward to doing it again. God bless you. Yep. Thank you so much.
0: That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for um, joining me and spending time with me. If you missed any of this hour, I do mean it. This has been a special hour. Um, Dr. Jeremiah Johnson's book, again, is Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in the Pursuit of Happiness. That's all for today. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow.